believe it's been seven years since Blurred Lines, a song that The Guardian called the most controversial of the decade. A song that sparked in my mind the first really visible backlash to the rape culture that had for so long just been considered weirdly normal. It brought the conversation about consent into the mainstream. There are no blurred lines, we claimed then. No means no. We stood up and said, hey, maybe this is actually not okay. About a year ago today, actually, Pharrell denounced the song he co-wrote, saying, I realised that we live in a chauvinist culture. Four years later, Me Too has taught us that sexual harassment and assault are so ingrained that almost every woman has experienced it in some way. That blurred lines and the attitude of taking what you wanted was still very common and it needed to stop. Well, it's 2020 and where are we at now when it comes to consent? What does enthusiastic, ongoing consent really look like? What are the basics you need to know? And how can we really change the way we view sex itself for everyone's benefit? Nat Tenchich here. And over the next two episodes, we are unblurring the lines. Not just to make the sex we're having safe, but also really effing great. Because consent doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be awkward. It can be hot. In fact, you can't have hot sex without it. Yeah, how do you like that idea? And I mean, if you don't believe me, just watch normal people. It's also something you got in touch with us about because you're so sick and tired of the narrative around consent. Also, just a warning, if anything in these stories or this episode bring up any heavy feelings for you, we've got some services you can reach out to in our show notes. Hey, this is Mel from Sydney. I actually struggle with vaginismus, so I'm grappling with how to navigate consent post-diagnosis as it's not an easy conversation to have. I think so much of us act coy when it comes to dating these days that even the concept of consent falls into that realm of coyness and unbothered attitude. Hi, I'm Courtney from Launceston, Tasmania, and I've had a few things happen where there's been like no consent asked and it puts you in like a really awkward um, position and sometimes you can just freeze and not know what to do and you just your body goes into complete shock and I've experienced that and you know I wish I could like stop like a lot of other people going through that because it's horrible. Hey this is Steph from Perth. The experiences I've had uh, talking to my close uh, girlfriends predominantly about the number of times that they might have been sleeping with a guy and they have tried to slip their, the guy has tried to slip their penis into uh, the girl's asshole during during sexual penetration. Yeah, I suppose for me it just really brings up uh, the issue of ongoing consent um, in terms of like obviously the sex has been consented to but they haven't necessarily asked the girl or uh, warmed them up or gotten any lube or done anything that suggested that they could move from vaginal penetration to beyond that. Um, so yeah, anyway, ongoing consent is a real issue and I think we need to talk about the fact that you can't just say yes once and it needs to be something that is maintained throughout Uh, whatever the sexual activity is that is happening. It really does. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused. Because they think, oh, we're having sex, so obviously it's a yes. No, it's not. You should always be asking and looking for that enthusiastic yes. 
And there are some great ways to do it without being awkward, without being that, you know, oh, can we do this now? Can we do that now? Can we do this now? We'll get into that real soon and find out what that hot sex can look like. But first, I want to find out a bit more about where we're at right now with consent and how it's defined. And does anything need to change with the systems that are in place to protect us? Consent is legally defined as being a free and voluntary agreement to participate in a a sexual activity with another person. Um, And we have really seen a shift over the last couple of decades towards uh, a much more affirmative model of consent. That's Dr Bianca Philiborn, a lecturer in the School of Social and Political Sciences at the Uni of Melbourne. And she says that unfortunately, in practice, we're still seeing a lot of really outdated understandings about how consent is communicated. Look, personally, I am quite sceptical of the potential of the law to really ever act as a site of justice for um, victim survivors. You know, I think unfortunately, you know, we have seen quite a few decades of really in a lot of respects, very progressive reforms um, in different jurisdictions around Australia. And unfortunately, it just hasn't made any difference to the actual experience of of victim survivors going through the criminal justice system. And we know that the vast majority of people still don't report to the police. Um, If they do report, they tend to have very negative experiences. Um, You know, most cases don't progress um, to going to court. And for those that do, you know, victim survivors are still saying that that's an incredibly re-traumatizing process. They still feel like they're the one who was on trial rather than uh, the accused person. Uh, And we know that conviction rates are still incredibly low. So estimates range from just under um, 2% to 10% across uh, the country. Um, So personally, I would like to see much more emphasis on preventative um, measures and on um, really instilling people with the skills to negotiate sex in ethical and respectful ways um, and that, you know, really focus on encouraging mutual enjoyment and pleasure and respect for sexual partners. And as sad as that is to hear that going through the legal system hasn't been a great or beneficial experience for so many people, it just means it's so much more important for us to be having these conversations and learning, especially when you're young and having sex for the first time. So we don't end up in positions where we've experienced or done something horrible. Well, that's something that organisation consent labs are doing. So they're this group that bring consent education to schools, unis and workplaces to try and create more awareness and understanding about why consent is so important. Here's founders Angie Wan and Joyce Yu on why they're so passionate about having these conversations. Joyce and I were having a conversation about our own sexual experiences and some experiences that friends had had that didn't really sit that well with them. And I think collectively, none of us felt like we had received sex ed that had prepared us for the real world. And specifically, we'd never ever discussed consent or sexual consent. And I think that is something that really needs to be talked about. And so that's kind of how Consent Labs was born. Joyce, how do you define consent? Well, I guess consent to us is an enthusiastic yes, but by the law, it's agreeing freely and voluntarily to something. And I think the important thing to consider is that consent doesn't necessarily have to take place in a sexual context. It definitely does occur in everyday sort of 
transactions that we have with each other in professional settings as well. So we actually practice consent every day. And I think that people kind of steer away from it or get really awkward about this topic when it's about sex, but that doesn't need to be the case. And that's sort of one of the aims that we have. Why do you think there's this gap in consent education? I think there's still such a stigma and such a taboo around sex, sex education. Like the sex ed that I received when I was in high school was really like biological. It was the very like basic of sex ed that you should get. It talked about, you know, like penis in vagina. That was what sex was. It talked about contraceptives. It talked about STIs, but we never really explored the nuances of sex. We never talked about communication when it came to sex. And that's really what consent is, is all about. I think the conversation needs to acknowledge at least that young people are going to be having sex and need to be doing so in a safe way and start learning how to communicate with each other. Um, you mentioned in there discussions that you've had with each other and friends about experiences you've had. If I can kind of go there, what sorts of experiences have you had in the past that made you really think on these topics and and think about how important consent is and how we need more of it, positive or negative? Well, I think that the personal is why we're doing this. It's why it's passionate to everyone and I guess everybody on our team. The reason being that every young person has experienced, you know, uncomfortable situations at least. So, you know, I, for one, was quite tame in high school. Um, when I turned 18, you know, I was really excited. I actually went to college and that's why this is quite a big, you know, issue for me. I kind of discussed it in a college setting as well. But, you know, when you turn 18, you want to go to the clubs and you want to go to parties and it just becomes normal to expect things like catcalling, to expect people to buy you a drink and then deserve some kind of reward for this to sort of touch you inappropriately. And it starts feeling as if the onus is on you to be doing something about that. So I guess that's sort of the baseline that's unfortunate and is expected in society. And then on top of that, you can have bad experiences that my friends and I have spoken about. Even something like I was you know, at a festival and someone just kind of came to grope me. And I was like, oh, like I really can't let my guard down. And it feels unfair that it's up to us. That's definitely by no means like a unique experience. And I think that's why this needs to change. It's a unique experience, but it's also one that's experienced by so many different people. Like I have conversations with my girlfriends today who are around my age and I'm 23 and the conversations are like, this didn't feel great for me, but I didn't know how to tell him or I felt a little bit uncomfortable or I didn't really want to do this, but I felt guilty to say no. Those are things that I've I've definitely experienced throughout the years. What would you like to see change in in our thinking to to get us to the point of um, the best possible sex we can all be having? I think it's all about practice. Like you teach kids from a really young age that you can't just like take your friend's food without asking. You have to ask your friend and sharing. But that gap isn't bridged into a sexual setting for some reason, because of the taboo that we talked about before. And so if we start talking about consent in a sexual setting from a high school age, which is when people, let's be, let's be real, start, you know, exploring, then it just becomes a norm. Like the more you practice something, the more it's going to feel comfortable, the more you're not going to think it's awkward or think it's weird. And yeah, I, I think that's why people find it hard because they haven't practiced. 
I think there are a lot of expectations as well that are probably embedded from a really young age. And I was talking to my male friends about this actually. And it's sort of, especially with guys, there's a pressure to be amazing at sex or to have a had sex by the time they leave high school and to randomly just be amazing at it already. And there's no discussion amongst guys themselves about, okay, like I tried this, it didn't really work. Like, you know, I tried communicating in this way. It's more just like, oh, dude, like as if you didn't know that already. <laughs> um, and I think like even for like, you know, there are different pressures on different people. And I think that's an important one to acknowledge as well. Okay, so let's get into that practice. Because don't worry, I hear you. Oh, but it's awkward to talk about what we like. I don't know what I'd say yes or no to. I just want someone to kiss me. Having to say it isn't sexy. Come on, people. Sex therapist Tanya Coons is here for you with the consent basics. Here she is with her definition of enthusiastic ongoing consent. I always like to tell people that consent is an inside job. It starts first and foremost with yourself and what you want. And interestingly, from talking to many, many people about what they like, what they would like to try, what they're into, most people don't know, right? Moment to moment, people are really not that connected in with their bodies and they're not exactly sure what they want. So in a lot of the consent training that I did, we learned via our bodies where we had to ask people to touch us in certain ways, but we had to take 20 seconds to feel into our body and what it was that we might be wanting. So I think often we can get into a sexy situation. We think, okay, sex, it's like this. We do a bit of kissing, a bit of touching, lick this, touch that, and then boom, we're off to doing penetration or something else. And it's kind of formulaic, but we're not really checking in with our body and thinking, well, how might I like to be touched today? Because today might be different to tomorrow or yesterday. So the ongoing and enthusiastic part is checking in with yourself. What do I want? Is this going well? Like, um, am I being kissed in a way that I enjoy? Am I being touched in a way that I enjoy? Um, am I feeling enthusiastic about this? Like, do I want it to continue or am I kind of putting up with it and hoping it'll be over soon, right? So we're sort of, we want to really keep checking in with ourselves and going, what's going on here for me? Am I okay with it? And then how am I going to be able to let my partner know this stuff, right? Because a lot of the time people can go into it, they can go into a, fight, flight, freeze or fawn response. They can just be like, oh, my God, I really want to impress this person. I, I'm just going to do it because I think I should or we, we've been married for a long time or they're new and hot. So many reasons that we can talk ourselves out of it. But I think the, the better we are at sort of working out like, well, hey, I'm not sure that this is actually happening for me. Um, then the tricky part is how do I convey this to my partner? And there's lots of ways. We'll talk about that. It makes me think about, like, how much do you think, like, self-esteem plays a role in consent and the sex that you want? That's, that is a really wonderful question. I think it plays a huge role because a lot of people don't put themselves forward. If they're not feeling confident or competent, they'll let the other person lead. And I, I, I'm often saying to people, it feels to me like you're outsourcing your pleasure. You're just hoping that your partner will know what you want, when you want it, and how you want it. And, you know, I don't know about that. There's, you know, I've been around the sun quite a few times now, have not met a mind reader, right? We have to put it out there about what we like. Or even if we don't know, even if we're curious about something, like I wouldn't mind trying kissing this way, but I'm not even sure I'd like it. That's a really great request. It's like, how about we try this, but I reserve the right to go, yeah, nah. 
or I don't like it, or maybe we need to try it again to make sure I really don't like it or that I love it. You know, this. whenever we're trying something, just think about whenever you learn something new, especially physically, it's awkward, it's clunky. Embrace it. You don't have to be too cool for school. You don't have to emulate the porn stars. You have to be checking in with yourself. What's this like? Do I like it? What does it feel like? Is it good? Do I need to try it again? Whole bunch of questions. And you can be asking that of your partner as well. Like, how are you going over there? Are you enjoying yourself? Is this good? Could we do it slower, harder, faster, higher? Right? Or, or my favorite question, what could make this even better? It's an invitation for you to contribute. So how do you create the space to ask those questions of yourself and your partner when, like you said, a lot of the time, the awkwardness, the self-judgment, uh, the yeah. all of these things kind of fill up the brain space or the, or the worry about where, what they're going to do next, you know, like how do yeah. you go and create that space so that you can have that safe and, and enjoyable experience? There's lots of ways that you can do this, right? It depends what situation you're in, but just think if you're meeting, like if it's a new person and you're meeting online, lots of people talk about what they're into. You know, I want to do this, I'm into that, I'm kinky, I like spanking, I like bondage, I like this, I like that, or I like kissing or I like slow. Whatever it is, people actually put out there what they want. And often they're talking and, you know, it's a bit of getting a bit saucy and sort of winding themselves up. But in those conversations, there's valuable information. Um, I read an article, it's a couple of years ago now, but it was about folks in New York sending each other a sex list before they met up. So there were three columns. This is the column of things that I really, really like with gold stars next to the things that will make me come. Here's a list of things that I might be okay to try. And here's a list of things that are definitely off the menu, don't even ask. I love this idea because it really works well for people who've had trauma that they don't have to explain to their partner, well, I had a bad thing happen and now as a result of that, this, this and that are no-go zones for me. It's just there and then it doesn't need to be brought up or pushed again. And that list of things, it's not a discussion point, it's Mm. a given, right? So I always think with consent, if somebody says no to you or they're not into something, you need to go, thank you very much for saying that, not start a crusade to talk them into it. That's not okay. It's never okay. If someone says no outside of the bedroom, do not, when you're inside the bedroom, try and put it on the table. I'm very, very clear on that. Um, so that's if you're sort of negotiating with someone online. If you're in person, uh, I do a lot of work with Betty Martin's Wheel of Consent, and the first thing that we want to do is set a container. So it's what are we doing today? You know, how long have we got to play? What kind of play do we want to do? Do we want to do outer course? Is intercourse on the table? Are we playing around naked? Are we doing this in our underwear? Are there some things to consider? Like, oh, my gosh, I went to the hairdresser today. Please don't muck up my hair. Tomorrow you can pull my hair and say giddy up, but today, no. I might have an injury or something that's sore or strained, you know, like, oh, I can't put weight on my left knee today. All sorts of things. So whatever's going on for you today you put in the container and then that's it for today's play session right in the middle of playing it's like oh I've had this great idea great let's chalk it up for next time right rather than trying to get people who have got endorphins flying their own self-confidence on the line they're trying things or not trying things trying to impress somebody trying to have an orgasm trying to just feel the feels that's a really difficult time to fully consider if a request is going to be okay for you, right? So a lot of people are like, well, isn't that a bit boring? You know, I can't do exactly what I want when I want. And I'm like, 
I don't know. You know, if you're not in your head worrying all the time, like, will it be okay if I ask this? I wonder if they're liking this uh, or what do I have to do to make my partner happy? If you know, well, today we're going to do a little bit of kissing and touching. We're going to just cavort around in our underwear. There's going to be some dry humping. There might be one or two orgasms. Boom. That's what we're doing. I don't have to worry about my strap on or what's going on with my hair or any injuries because we've negotiated it. It's very safe. And then you can be so much more present and for me, that exponentially increases your pleasure. It's kind of strange, but really works. I can 100% back Tanya here. It is hot. When you know what you've agreed to do, you can just get out of your head and stop worrying about what's going to happen next. You can just let go and enjoy the sex you're having because you feel safe. Nothing's going to surprise you knowing that you both really want the things you're doing. So how do we normalize this practice and set up expectations with new partners? Because if you're not used to talking about what you're into or asking for what you want, it can feel kind of scary the first time you try. Here's Tanya again. You know what? I think going through COVID has really taught me that we can, as a collective, learn things really fast. You know, we've learned to stay at home. We've learned to put masks on. We've learned to social distance. We've learned to be very respectful of how we touch and greet people. So... I think that's what's going on with the consent activism work that I and many people are doing is to normalise having a chat. Just still thinking about Dan Savage going, why can't everybody in the world be like gay men? You shake hands and say, what are you into? I'm like, oh, my God, yes, that's exactly how it should be. What What's wrong with asking people what you're into and saying what you're not into as well? If we could do that in a quick conversation, because that setting a container does not have to be a protracted discussion that ends up in a legal document. It can Mm. be a five-minute chat like, hey, what are you up for? Is this a quickie or a longie? You know, where are we going? What's happening? Blah. And then let's get into it, right? Yeah. Really, really think about that. And if something new is put on the table, you can be learning to ask questions to yourself and to your partner, like, who is this for? If it's okay, babe, do you want a massage? Great question. Who is it for? Is it for the person giving the massage because they want to have sex after the massage? Is it for the person giving the massage because they want to touch your butt? Is it for the person receiving the massage because they've got sore shoulders? Is it for the person receiving the massage because they want you to touch their butt? Like there's so many reasons. And if it's not clear, like if you offer me a massage and I'm thinking, hooray, I'm going to get my shoulders massaged. They're so sore today. And you start touching my butt, I'll be like, well, this is disappointing. <laughs> and it's not going to feel good. And then you'll feel that and go, I wonder what's going on here. I did ask consent for a massage. So what's the problem? Right. So we need to be really clear. Like, I would love you to give me a massage. Is this massage for me or for you? Right. And that mm. could be very bewildering for the offerer. But it's totally okay to want to give a massage that leads to sex. It's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Just be clear so that the other person can say, well, actually, I'd really like a neck and shoulder massage and nothing more. Or, oh, thanks for telling me it's going to be a sexy massage. Do you think you could spend five minutes on my shoulders before we get boom, chicka, wow, wow into it? (laughs) That would be really great because I'll be totally relaxed as well. So it's not much, but I think people are afraid They're afraid to ask what they want because they're afraid they won't get it, right? And I think you've got to think very seriously. If you don't want to have a conversation, why is that? That's the really important because if you don't want to ask consent, then you're normally outside of consent, I think. You're Mm. afraid of the answer. If it's okay to hear a no, 
um, that's really great because it's like, thank you for the no. Is there something else that I can do for you? Or, or what else might you like? Or I've got another suggestion. Now you're open to that. There's, there's really great ways to hear no. You don't have to sulk because it's not what you really, really wanted today because I'm pretty sure there will be some other things that might be just as fun. To, to me, I think a large part of um, Consent Foundations is that it's not thinking about consent or sex as like rules that we follow, you have to do this, blah, 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 safe words, etc. It's yeah, It's yeah. about reframing like what you think sex is. Yes. And why you do it. Yeah, it's not like it? a notch on the bedpost or a thing to tick off uh-huh. and sweet, yeah. I got laid for the first time in however long. Yeah. If think about it as going out to eat a meal, you know, are you going to go to the same restaurant every week and order the same thing? Some people do and they're happy with that, but there's always a conversation about where are we going? What are we doing? What's our budget? How long do we have? How many courses are we ordering? What are we ordering? Do you like this? And if it's with a new person, it's going to be a little bit more intricate conversation than it will be with a partner that you've been with for a long time. So think about sex like that. It's like, all right, what are we doing here? What do we want? I love the menu. I um I want to talk about a few more really practical kind of tools or ways that you could try you could try this. So yes. I mean, for example, I I totally loved the the messaging your you know messaging your menu to somebody before you meet up. To me, that's almost like a great way of sexting. Like that's hot yeah. foreplay, you know. So absolutely. Are there any other sorts of like tools you could use to? To, to lean back on and, and give yourself, like, the confidence to to establish these ground rules? Yes. Um, I think often I ask people to write all their things that they'd like to try down on a piece of paper, on a, a list, and then they come together with their list and if you both like the same thing, tear it off, put it in the bowl, it can be a selection. So you can kind of build a list of the things that you're both willing to try and then, again, a list of maybes. So that's clear and it's an easier way to do it. You can sort of write a list and compare notes rather than have to have an awkward conversation if you're feeling a bit funny about it. So you're starting with a list and then before you know it, you're chatting about stuff going, oh, I never picked you for one of those kind of people. That's great. I am too. Wow. You know, that sort of thing, whereas you might have been too afraid to suggest it. I love that. That's so good. Um, How can two people genuinely see a situation differently do you think grey areas do happen? Oh, yes, they do, so often. So we talked a little bit about, you know, hey, babe, would you like a massage and who is it for? So, you know, it could be like I'm enthusiastically consenting to a massage. What do you mean you're touching my butt, right, because we haven't worked out what kind of massage, so it's the details. But we also have to look at things like trauma. So if people get triggered, you know, people are quite familiar with fight or flight but they're less familiar with freeze or fawn. And these are all decisions made by your autonomic nervous system, which means you are not in control of that. It's going to choose an option for you to survive. So freezing means literally you're going to become nonverbal and start to move away from your partner. So if your partner stops talking, starts flinching, gets clammy, has dilated pupils, starts breathing funny, I'm pretty sure you're out of consent. If your partner starts to all of a sudden really play up to you, the fawning, it's like this is what people do when they're held captive. You know, they're really nice to their captors so they don't get killed. So it's like they're going to pretend that they really like it. And this is hard. How are you going to know if, if, just say you've made a request for something like anal sex and the person has actually said before, no, I'm not into it, but suddenly they become super-duper enthusiastic about that. 
just think because you'll be noticing that somewhere in your mind and your body be like hey this isn't what I was expecting I was expecting a bit of pushback or expecting a no if you get a very enthusiastic thing there check in it's like how are you going there are you sure about that you said no before uh, is this something that we should talk about before we try you know I was kind of I'm excited about it but I realized we didn't talk about it before we got naked so maybe we can talk about it another time right and just see because a lot of people do that fawning thing to be liked or to feel safe which is why it's so important to get your list of no's out there on the table before you start yeah definitely and to look for physical signs you know it is really hard and it's everybody's responsibility for consent because lots of people say why didn't you just say no because my body overrode and put me into freeze or put me into fawn right there are really legitimate reasons for this and you don't know what kind of traumas people have experienced you don't know what's going on inside their head and inside their body it doesn't make you a bad person if you can't read that but i'm hoping that conversations like this today will help people just think a little more being like okay maybe i should look out for this in my partner because i don't want to be that person that's the way to combat it If that's something you've experienced, that freezing or saying yes to things because you just wanted to be liked and not make things uncomfortable, it's so common. We had so many listeners share their experiences of being in that situation. So if you're feeling shame, hurt and racking your brain over why you didn't just say no and speak up, just know it's not your fault, okay? Please know you're not alone and it is never your fault. And partners, like Tanya said, keep an eye out for physical signs. Check in with the people you're having sex with. Set up containers, write those lists, start sexting and letting people know what you're into. It's not awkward. It's not weird. It's not gross to talk about the things we like in the bedroom. There's so much to cover when it comes to consent and I'm blurring the lines. So next episode, we're going to get into things like coercion and consent in relationships and how to have these conversations with your partner if you feel pressured to do things you really don't want to. If you have any experiences or questions you'd like us to ask, DM us on Instagram at triplejthehookup or shoot us an email, thehookup at abc.net.au.